0: Lord, it has been a very strange year, and we've entered into actually a very strange season. When we consider what the season of Advent and Christmas all point to, it is the strangest of seasons. It's the strangest story. It's the strangest interruption to all things in our life. God, stepping into time, putting on flesh, being born in a manger so that he could come close to his creation and through his death, allow creation to come close to him. So yes, it's a strange season. (laughs) It is a strange window to be in. Father, I ask that in these moments that we would sense your nearness to us supernaturally, even in a window of time when we're asked to be apart. It's in your name we pray all these things. Amen. Um, It is a strange time, Um, just even being in this room, in this way, in this fashion, just set out to encourage separation, to encourage distance, and to have to think of doing things differently because we are attempting to do what marketing and billboards and social media has asked us to do, and that being together apart. I don't know if you've seen these all over, but you can just Google together apart. And there are um, slogans and phrases all over the country and all around the world that are stressing, let's be apart. And in our being apart, somehow we're together. Staying apart, standing together, standing together, stand together, stand apart. Right now, coming together means staying apart. Staying apart keeps us together, together apart. Like, it's... All over the place. But there's something that we're feeling, and I think doctors and psychologists began to readdress the social distancing because we are social beings and stressed, we are needing to physically distance. So we've come up with all these other ways to be together, whether it be um, Zoom or Facebook or Google Meet or whatever, FaceTiming. We've stared at people's foreheads this season. We've said, you're muted a bunch of times. We've, we've, we've had to use language we're not used to, and we're feeling the strangeness of isolation, loneliness, and silence in a very weird way. Sometimes you just can't even put words to it. It's so different than what we've been through. It's not been fun. I mean, I think there's some elements to it that we can laugh at. There's some things that we joke about. But isolation and loneliness is only amplified by having to do maybe even this season differently than we have before. I know we, there have been two people in my life that have died, that I was close to, that I have not been able to do anything about when it comes to celebrating their life. No funerals. No way to mourn together, forced to stay apart uh, together. Again, it's very strange wording, and I think something in us begins to sense that this is not what we were made for. The marketing spins and all the, the internet campaigns, we all know that this can't last. Because we were made to be near one another. We've considered that a lot in this season, the physical and the mental health of people being discussed regularly right now because of encouraged separation. And I know that there have been times where the church, and we've been in, you've been to the church services where you've probably heard say, when God is all you have, well, right now is a window when we're really feeling that way. The things we've trusted, the relationships we thought would be there, the friendships we thought would be there, they're not. Churches losing and people walking away, just ghosting, not even saying goodbye, but saying, I'm, no, I'm done. Friendships being divided because of who you posted support for this campaign season. Posts about masks or not masks and friendships being destroyed, even though you haven't seen each other in months. This is our reality. This is what we're living in. The separation is real. The physical presence of other human beings in our life being missed, our brain just goes a little nuts. In this window, I wonder if we've thought through the presence of God in a more real way than maybe we've ever thought of it before. I know there were times in my life that I really didn't reflect on the presence of God as much as I reflected on the presence of his people. I really felt like I belonged to God because I was always able to be around people and friends. And when that window wasn't there, did I actually believe that God was present? Right now we're being forced to ask that question. We're being forced to ask the question of do I believe he is near me? We are in a season right now, not just of, of isolation, but the Advent season represents an interruption of his presence in this world. He stepped into time when he saw fit. Why he chose 2000 some odd years ago to step into time in the way in which he did, all we know is that the scriptures say at just the right time, he chose to step in and make himself known. And better yet, not just his presence coming close to us, he would actually through his son show us how we can be close to him. The promise of God's nearness is found all through Scripture, not just in the Christmas story. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, Moses is reminding Israel about all they've learned and seen of God through the rescue. Deuteronomy chapter 4, he says, For what great nation has a God as near to them as the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call on him? The psalmist in Psalm 73 says, But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. The two most used words in Hebrew for his presence are before him and his face. To stand before someone and to face someone. When someone would leave the presence of the Lord, it would be to no longer be before him or to see his face. Both of these communicate nearness. I'm close to him. I'm in his presence, and if we learn anything from the scripture, we know that this closeness to God was his plan all along. In the story of the garden, Adam and Eve, he walks with, and real separation, not just physical and social distancing, but real separation came when the presence of God and human beings were no longer allowed to be in proximity because of sin, separation and death were a result of no longer being in the presence of God. Thankfully, God is not socially distant or physically distant. In the scripture, he walks with Adam and Eve, he walks with Abraham, he walks with Moses, eventually he walks with the entire nation of Israel. God's nearness in his his presence is the promise for his people. Have you considered his nearness in a season when we have been apart? when physically we have not been able to be together, is the nearness of God sustaining? Have you considered it? Have you pondered it? Have you been baffled by it? I know I have in this window. The very first chapter of Matthew's gospel reveals God's presence and his nearness. As Joseph was considering how to proceed after hearing about his to be wife, who technically being engaged, he was married by their standards. As he wrestled with whether or not to walk through with this, an angel of the Lord visits Joseph and he quotes the Old Testament and says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. You know, it's it's interesting because one of the most common prayers I have heard in the Christian church for the last 20 some odd years being in the church. I've heard, God be with us, just, just be with us. Like it's such a common, it's like the first thing we say, but it's his name, he is with us. Maybe our prayers could be, God, give us a sense of your presence. Let us know you're with us, because you already say you are. Your name means you are with us. Every time we say his name, we declare his proximity. Emmanuel, God with us. Every time we say Jesus, we declare his work. The Lord saves. Jesus came close to save but why would he move into the neighborhood just to be a good example to us? Is Jesus just a good model for us to follow? Unfortunately, it's not that simple. The struggle of humanity is that we have not wanted the nearness of God. We've actually wanted to be God. To call the shots, to get the glory, to make the, to make the sale, to make the decisions, to set our paths. In the story of Advent, in the story of Christmas, is truly that because we would never give up our reign, he gave his up so that he could come close to a people who didn't want him. God with us is what we were made for, but it's not what we immediately long for. We would rather have the stuff God can give us. God, just give us your blessings, give us the things that you give us. We're not necessarily concerned about you, we'd rather have your stuff. We'd rather take credit for some things. We'd rather get praise for some things. We'd rather collect trophies for some things. Our default is not a desire for the nearness of God. Our default is to actually be God. This, this is why Jesus came close. In a small town in a corner of the world, unvalued and unseen, God changed the game and came close. God moved into neighborhood so that we would know how to be close to him this is the message of the good news with god jesus didn't come to give us a few words to show us how to get close to god jesus didn't come to point a way to god jesus came to be the way to god with god has always been the plan To our amazement, nearness to God is not granted because of how strong or moral or religious we have been. It's not a reward for anything we have done, in fact. The scripture makes it clear that this is a gift for anyone who could simply say, God, I I can't believe that you came close, but I do believe you came close. I cannot believe that you would die for me, a sinner, but I believe you died for me, a sinner. I cannot believe that you rose from the dead so that I could know you, but I believe you rose from the dead. Ephesians chapter two, written by a man who was set against the church to destroy the church, to persecute Christians, encounters this Jesus and is forever transformed because he knows that meaning and purpose and wholeness is not in doing things for God, but doing things with him. Ephesians three says, you lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. We like to throw around big theological terms often and say God is omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere in all places, in all time, and there is no place that God is not. But what if the deeper definition of omnipresence is that he's not just simply present everywhere, but that he's available to everyone wherever they are? This means in your being together apart. This means in your isolation. This means in feeling alone, he is available. He is not just present, but he is available to be called on and to come close. This is is why we take this time to celebrate the incarnation of Christ, God putting on flesh, stepping from heaven to earth, not just as an earthly king, but as a servant to the point of death. This is why we celebrate the incarnation We take time to slow down and remember that our hearts weren't made for stuff, they were made for God. It's been amazing to me looking on the internet this this last month, all the blogs, all the Pinterest ideas, all the articles talking about how to make Christmas feel like you're together. How to make Christmas feel like you're with others. The ideas are all over the place, have everyone. Like, plan with your family if you can't be together. Have everyone buy the same holiday craft, puzzle, or Lego set and do them together at the same time. Or send out a family recipe and cook it together. Have everyone make cookies ahead of time and then decorate them as a group online. Spoil your pet. Like, if if you only have your animal with you, spoil them. How about over-decorating, like gaudy, over-decorating, like really, really, really over-decorating. You should see some of the photos. These people went nuts, but to make it feel like you're together. All the unique ways we are trying to be together, my hope is that in this window, in our searching and planning for the unique ways of being together with one another, we would appreciate even more the intentional, unique, and powerful planning of God to be with us in Jesus' birth. We think we're creative and intentional about trying to be together. God, before the foundations of the world, had in mind his plan to come close to his creation because we would never try and come to him. And in the end, when Jesus returns for his people, we will be able to celebrate not just a child in a manger, but a king on a throne. Revelation chapter 21, in the end of all things, I love that we know the end and the beginning because God does. He says these words, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. The Christ follower is not the person consumed with doing things for God. I understand we want to glorify God. We want to do things for Him. But so much of our life can be consumed with, like, I got to do this for Him. I got to do this for Him. Like, He's going to be checking in on me. I got to do this for Him. But the Christians' walk, the Christ followers' walk, is that I get to do things with God. Not just things that are tweetable, but the quiet moments at home when I don't know what to do, when I'm isolated when I'm by myself or when I'm just with my family that I've seen for the last nine months in intensive ways that I'm just, I need a break. Or when I'm at work or when I'm alone or when I'm with people that I know when I've done I don't know. I, all moments of life, 24-7, are opportunities to do life with God. This is why we spend so much intentional time in Advent looking at the incarnation God moved in, not so that we would do things for him. He needs nothing done for him, but that he would be able to walk with his people. The Christ follower understands that it's not just about God's things that he gives to us, but it's about him. Hebrews chapter 13, written in the New Testament, says, don't love money, be satisfied with what you have, for God has said, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. The Christ follower understands it's not what we have, it's who we have. We are so obsessed with things and stuff that we have missed that the purpose of life is not any of that. But it is that we have been made to live in the presence of God. And as the the team comes and we close our time together, I had a uh, I had a neighbor who I really felt like the Lord laid on my heart to go over to his house and pray for him, which is really weird. Uh, it, it was an it was a one of those things where you're like, oh, man, God really stirred my heart to go pray for this guy. And so I'm, I'm in my bathroom. I'm like, I was cutting my hair. And I'm not kidding you. I was cutting my hair. I really felt like I, the Lord said, go pray for this dude. And I was like, Doreen, my, I told my wife, I was like, you need to hold me accountable because I, I, I'm pretty sure this, that God told me to go pray for him. So I, I did. I walked across the street. I go knock on his door. Um, and I, it, it's one of these houses that's off the grid, and if you know West Asheville, it's, it's one of those houses. And you walk in, and it's like this concrete slab. And I felt like I was walking into Peter Pan's Hook movie where all the, the, the uh, what are, what's, it, what's Peter Pan's gang called? The Lost Boys. I felt like Lost Boys were hanging off of the rails looking down. And I walk up to my neighbor, and it's kind of a hostel type, you know, like he lets people stay there, pay him 10 bucks a night or whatever. And he's standing in the middle of the room. I'm looking around, and I feel like I'm in Mad Max somehow I'm I'm not sure how but I said dude I, I really feel like I'm supposed to pray for you and I was just waiting for like all heaven to open up like beams of light come down and everything gets fixed immediately and I could tell it was making him uncomfortable And he looks around at the room and he just looks back at me and goes no thanks I was like but I felt like the Lord said to come pray for you he's like "Nah, I'm good you can pray for me over at your house, and, but you don't have to pray for me here. And it was one of those moments where I felt like, oh, Lord, did I miss it? Was that me? What was we about? I was like, okay, well, we will. The next day, he comes over to my house and knocks on the door. And I was like, this is the moment. Like, he's coming now. Now he's like, I was sorry for not—no. He knocks on my door, and he just says— I feel like I just needed to tell you that you don't need to pray for me because I just believe I can live however I want and I don't need to ask for anybody to pray for me or for God to do anything in my life. And I remember looking at him and going, well, I believe you're right. I believe the scripture says that you can do whatever you want to with your life. I simply believe that God doesn't want us to do life without him. That's why I wanted to pray for you. I wanted to pray for you so that you would know that you were made to walk in relationship with God. I believe that with every fiber in my being. That was the end of the conversation. Nothing strange happened, nothing amazing happened, except a reminder that God made us to walk with him. This is not just the Christmas story. This is the story. God with us means that there will come a, part when, there will come a time when we will never be apart again. God with us is often spoken in the face of the crowd rejecting us. God with us was often a way to comfort the church in moments of persecution. And God with us, even when our own families may forsake us. This is the reminder of Advent. Not that we worked our way near to God, but that in fact, he came near to us. Together apart, we'll not have the final say over our life. And I'm thankful for that. God is not physically distancing himself from us because we're sick. In fact, he came into the world to take on our sickness and to to take our sickness away. I'm thankful this season that it's not just the Christmas story, but it's the story. We're going to close our time together. Um, If you all would stand, we're going to do a, a responsive reading. And I don't know your church backgrounds, but... It's where I'll read a portion, and then everyone will read together. It's kind of like getting to say something out loud with a bunch of people who believe the same thing you do, and it's a reassuring, reaffirming moment. But I'm going to start this by reading a passage from Psalm 96. Just hear the words of the psalmist, and on the screen you will see I will read a portion, and then the portion beneath it, you all will just read out loud together. Psalm 96 says these words, Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty fill his sanctuary. O nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. Tell all the nations, the Lord reigns. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. He will judge all peoples fairly. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and their crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming. He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with his truth.